Well, good evening. Good evening. All right, well, let's do that again. There was a little hesitation there. Good evening. Good evening. All right, we're glad that you're here today. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, if you are a guest with us, and we are really glad that you are here at Hope West. Uh, thankful for that, and we pray that you are blessed by our worship together. We're on this sermon series called Just Emotions, Just Emotions, and we're, we're looking at emotions as a gift from God, a gift from God, and emotions that Jesus experienced and expressed in the Gospels, and thinking about how they can either be uh, a blessing in our life, or they can be something, because they're skewed by sin in our world, something that can be a real difficulty, a real struggle. Uh, and how those emotions are not just emotions, but can be emotions that are just, meaning righteous and, and good in our lives. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about this emotion called anger. Anger. Uh, and I have to say, it was kind of interesting. I was, I was working on my sermon this morning, kind of finishing some things up, and uh, kind of multitasking. And I, and I was just, you know, thinking about Jesus and anger and, you know, his love and grace and, and like, you know, don't want anger to be in my heart and, and all these things. And, and I had to transfer a file to OneDrive. <laughs> and, and no offense if there's any OneDrive people here today. But something happened because of a two-step authentication thing, which I, I'm, I'm not techie, all this stuff, and it just was not working, and so I tried this, and I tried that, and that, and I got uh, other staff involved in all those things, and my anger was put to the test just a wee bit, and I was thinking, wow, the irony of this, right, the power of this emotion, that even when we, we know this is something we should work on in our life, it can be so easy to have a short fuse. It can be so easy to, to be filled with this, this powerful emotion called anger. So what, it, what is anger? Well, anger is a feeling of annoyance. It's a feeling of irritability. It's a feeling of great dislike, maybe even hatred or rage that we have in response to any number of things in this world. I think we can agree what anger is, but I think a better question, or perhaps even a more significant question for us to ask in this world that seems to be angry a lot, is not what is anger, but why is anger? Why is anger? Let's look at our text today. Did you know that Jesus expressed anger? Jesus expressed anger. And so it's, it's Holy Week, what we know as Holy Week, and Jesus enters into the temple in Jerusalem. And one of the things that was true about the, the temple in, in Jerusalem is this is where people would go, especially during the holiday that was coming up called Passover, and they would offer sacrifices according to their Jewish customs in order to atone for the forgiveness of their sins. And they would do this either with a dove or a lamb because that was what the Old Testament and its instructions said to do. And Jesus comes into the temple, and he goes to two places. He goes to where they were buying and selling. They were exchanging money, and where they were selling doves, and he gets angry, and he overturns tables. And he says, you've made my father's house into a den of thieves rather than a house of 
prayer. Now, why did Jesus get angry? Well, the details are important here. One of the things to see is that in the temples, sacrificial animals were sold that were unblemished and were appropriate to sacrifice. And you could either buy a lamb, or if you couldn't afford a lamb, you bought a dove. And as, as people who came in who may not have had the money or the income uh, to buy that appropriate sacrifice, they would be told if they brought their own dove that that dove wasn't good enough, or that they had to buy the specific temple doves in order to fulfill their religious obligations. In turn, the, the, the temple authorities of the day were making a, a lot of money. The temple treasury was flush. And they would churn and they would loan money to the poor in order for them to get about life and, and do the things as well as make these, these sacrifices and keep them in this perpetual state of being extorted. The other thing that was happening is that the people, if they came to make a financial gift, they were told that they couldn't make that gift in, in the money. Remember, people had come from miles around, and they were under Roman occupation. So, so the coinage of the day for most of the average people was Roman or Greek coins. Roman or Greek coins. But in the temple in Jerusalem, the religious elite authorities of the day would insist that for the offering, you make that offering in Jewish money, special coins that they had, or, or what was called Tyrian shekels. And, and so you would have to go, if you had a, a Roman coin, because you couldn't bring that in the temple because it had the face of Caesar on it, right? That was a false idol. You would have to go and exchange that at an exorbitant rate to get the proper money put in the offering plate. Now think about that. That'd be like you coming in here and wanting to give an offering to hope. And we said, no, you know, American dollars are no good. You need to use hope dollars, <laughs> right? And, and we'll allow you to have some hope dollars if, you know, for a convenient, I don't know, 14% surcharge or something like that, right? Sounds fair? Okay, I got a conversation for you later. No, I'm just kidding. It's not fair. And, and so what Jesus sees is that the poor are being extorted. Uh, the average ordinary people of God, the, the nation of Israel, God's people are being extorted. They're being taken advantage by the very people that were supposed to care for them in their relationship with God. They, they turn this process into a money-making endeavor rather than an act of worship. And so Jesus gets angry. He gets angry. He gets angry at the injustice. So, so why anger? I think we can learn a lot from this. Anger is an emotion that God has given us to recognize when something is unjust. Anger is an emotion that God has given us to recognize when something is unjust. And Jesus saw this injustice, this great injustice, because it had to do with people's relationship with God, and he got angry. Anger is usually a, a secondary emotion. And, and what I mean by that, we, we experience anger when we see the injustice, but, but we experience anger because we see the injustice and we fear 
what might happen. We see the injustice and we grieve the consequence of it, right? Someone gets cancer and we see it as unfair and we're grieving. And so we're angry because of our grief. We're jealous. We see somebody have something we want that we think we deserve, right? We covet. We desire something. And so that jealousy leads us to an anger response. So this is an emotion that God has put in us in order to recognize an injustice in the world. But here's the problem. Is that our anger, our anger is influenced, maybe influence isn't a strong enough word, it's covered, enmeshed with our selfish sinfulness. And so one of the truths of, of, of this emotion particularly is that it's perhaps impossible for anyone other than Jesus to fully express the righteous anger of God. What I mean is, is that anger is in us, but because of our sin, it, it becomes very destructive. In fact, that's what, what Scripture says. If you put up that text from James 1, 19 through 20. James writes this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And get this, he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Haven't you ever noticed that in your anger, like you're mad at something and we feel righteous. We're right, they're wrong. But human anger, the Bible says, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The the question for us is, is why is our anger, but then when we experience this injustice, is to ask our question, is our perception of the injustice just? Is our perception, if we're angry, is the perception of what happened Is it truly God's perception of the incident? Or is it coming from some other sin-stained place? And so we experience anger. What do we do about it? Well, anger in our culture is expressed in a multitude of ways. There's a continuum. And the continuum of anger is from passive to open. You guys have heard this before, right? One of the ways that we can express anger is we get angry at injustice, some way we think we've been slighted or somebody else has been slighted or something we are upset about, and and, and we express it passively. In other words, we stuff it. Any stuffers here? Don't raise your hand. But I'll be honest, I am. Right? This is always raised to do it. My, My family, right, I was taught that you never, you don't lose your cool that actually losing your cool, blowing your fuse was maybe a sign of, of being weak, or at least that's what I perceived growing up. You know, that's what not, real men didn't lose their cool. They remained in control, and they were the good guy. Well, as a result of that, I, I learned, and I think a lot of people learned, that when I get angry when I saw an injustice, that I can't act on that in any way. I just need to stuff it deep inside. But here's the thing about anger, is it doesn't go away. On its own. We can stuff it deep inside, 
but it, it, it's continues to burn. And when we do this, we're gonna express it in ways we don't want to. It comes out passively. That's why the phrase passive aggressive. You've heard that before, right? We're not, we're not dealing with it directly. We don't have this direct outburst of anger. We have this passive. It comes outside. We get grumpy with our family. We make a, a comment behind someone's back rather than to their face because we're angry at them. The anger comes out sideways in terms of act of aggression. Or when we stuff it, if we, if we try to control that passive aggressiveness, because anger's got to find a way out, eventually it, it, it turns inward and it attacks you. And anger turned inward in our life results in depression. Because we're, we're angry, we don't know what to do with this anger, so we, we try to be the good guy, we turn it in, we turn it in, we turn it in, but the anger's gotta have a target. And, and so it will develop a target, and the target will become yourself. You'll become highly critical of yourself, highly upset with yourself. Anger turned inward is depression. See, anger, when we try to express it, either harms ourselves or others. Now, the other way we express anger is we show it open aggression. Some people are just wired this way. Rather than being passively aggressive, have you met those people? Do you know those people, right? They, they just get mad at everything. I can't believe that person cut me off. Ah! Right? You probably have worked with these people. You've gone to school with these folks. Maybe that's your life, right? Your, your fuse is very, very short. And when your fuse is lit, that anger comes out in direct ways, cutting words, demeaning others, physically hurting other people, right? Reacting in very negative ways. See, anger is a powerful emotion, and because of its powerful emotion, it has powerful consequences in terms of how it hurts us and others. So what's the solution to this? If, if, if human anger cannot produce the righteousness that God requires, right? if there's not really a way that we, because of our sin state, can express anger in a way that doesn't hurt ourselves or hurt others, how do we, how do we manage this emotion in our world? Well, let's look at some more scripture. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says this. In your anger... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Proverbs 29, 11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. James 4, 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So what can we learn from, from some of these texts? And these are just a few of, of a lot of texts that warn us against the dangers of anger. A few things. I think as we read what the Bible has to say about anger, one of the things we learn is this, is anger stems from other places. And if we want to 
if we want to get at why we're angry, we have to get at where it's coming from. Uh, did you see that text? That anger comes, in James it says, anger comes from the desires that battle within. And so we're angry because we're coveting. We're angry because we're jealous. We're angry because we're fearful. We're angry because we're insecure. We're angry because we're grieving. And we're doing this because we perceive some injustice but we have to get to the root in order to deal with the anger. When we get to the root, then we can counter that with truth. If the reason we're angry is because we're afraid of what might happen in this situation, if that injustice continues to go, we can remember that Jesus is the one that calms all fears. And he can address the fear to take away the anger. If we're grieving the loss of someone we love, something that we see as unjust, right? This is a world that's unfair because of the consequences of sin. We, we remember that Jesus bears our grief. And he's our healer. And when he, Jesus holds our grief, that takes away our anger. If we're angry because we perceive that, man, I'm not getting what I deserve. That person, I've worked just as hard as them, and look at where they live, and look at the car they drive, and look at the stuff they have, and, you know, why doesn't my wife treat me like their wife treats me, right? These stupid thoughts we have called coveting and jealousy. We can remember that Jesus fills all of our needs and wants, and he is all-sufficient for everything we really need in this life. And he takes away our anger. So one of the things we see that the text tells us is that anger stems from other places. So if you find yourself angry a lot, it's a time to get introspective and say, where's that anger coming from? Is it because I'm afraid? Is it because I'm grieving? Is it because I'm jealous? What is the emotion that's driving the anger, and how can you give that emotion to Jesus? Second thing I think that we learn from these texts is this, is that acting out on anger is a choice. Acting out on anger is a choice. It may not be a choice whether or not you get angry, because sometimes we just do, right? We're going to get angry. But what we do with the anger is a decision. Right, if we say, ah, you know, I, I'm sorry, honey, I blew up and I got mad and, you know, I yelled and screamed. I called names. I, I did even worse. You know, it's just because I got angry. I got in a rage. I, I was out of control. Bull. We always have a choice. The anger may seem like you've lost control, but you have a choice. You, you will get angry, but you have a choice in terms of how you act. The text said, do not give the devil a foothold. When we act out in negative ways towards ourselves or others in our anger, we're giving the devil a foothold. Again, ask, is your anger just? If we're mad at some perceived injustice, then we gotta ask, is my understanding of this injustice right? Most of the time, I think, we'll find that it comes perhaps from a skewed viewpoint or self-centered perspective. We need to remember that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm not talking about stuffing it, but I am talking about choosing our actions wisely, choosing a different path. Anger, how we act out on our anger is a choice. One of the things I think we, we see and we know from the text in anger is that anger can take a hold of us, and when it does, it consumes like a fire. It consumes like a fire. You're going to experience anger in this life. And one of the things, right, we, we say don't give the devil a foothold. Be, be careful with your words, your choices, your actions. He's asking this question, are we feeding that fire or not? There's part of anger, right? Because self-righteousness for a moment, holding on to anger, that feels like a solution. That maybe even feels gratifying in some sort of thing, right? To be in a position where, where I'm just angry and I'm right and they're wrong because then we don't have to deal with it. And we don't have to do the hard work of figuring out what's wrong truly at the root of the thing and solving the issue. We can just hold that anger as kind of a defensive posture against being vulnerable and real as a human being in this world. But we don't realize that we leave a devastating wake of destruction behind us in our family, in our spouse, in our kids, and all those things, because we're holding on to this thing so tightly when we need to be letting go and giving it to God. And so anger is a fire. It's a, it's a volcano inside of us. And the question is, are you feeding that or are you allowing God to transform it? Are you feeding it or allowing God to transform it? You see, anger, like that volcano, it has to go somewhere. You can't just hide it away. You can't pretend that it doesn't exist because it's going to leak out. It's going to find a crack. It's going to find a way to surface. And so we must find a way to give that and surrender that to God. So what are some ways? Prayer. Worship. What are some ways? Guys, we got to talk about it. And that's one of the things that I learned in life, that rather than stuffing my anger, I had to talk about it with people. The things I was upset about, the things I was grieving. And I thought, well, Mike's here. Mike was one of the first guys that I ever trusted enough to talk about some of the things that I was really upset about in my life. And I was worried that, like most guys are, oh, he'll reject me. I won't be the tough guy then, right? Mike told me he hated me and he never talked to me again, right? No. <laughs> Of course not. Absolutely not. It brought the relationship to a new level of trust and vulnerability and authenticity in terms of understanding who I was as a man and who God had created me to be, that I didn't have to live trapped by that. We've, we've got to find a safe place to talk about it. Uh, we have to learn to talk and express our emotions and put them where they deserve to be, right? You can't stuff it. If you're upset with your boss at work, it doesn't mean you have to point fingers and yell and demand and shout, 
but you have to get at the root of what's going on, and you might have to be effectively assertive, is what I would say, and speak the truth in love, learning to share your own perspective in a way that doesn't hurt the other person, but allows you to express your frustration and not carry it home to your husband or to your wife or to your kids or you kick the dog or whatever it might be, right? It's learning to just be a more fuller human being in terms of how we actually communicate to each other. Again, this is completely countercultural because what do we do in this world today? We polarize, we set our defenses, we point fingers, and we cast blame. Anger requires a different path. To solve anger, we gotta listen and pay attention to what's going on inside of us and what others are saying. And the other thing I believe that the text is saying is here is that Jesus is showing us another way. He's showing us another way. And that way is not stuff it. It's not blow it all up. That way is love. That way is love. And what I'm not saying today is that, you know, we should never stand up against any injustice. In fact, what I'm saying is that we should listen to our anger and then surrender it to Jesus so that he can transform it and we can respond to the injustice we see in this world with great love. If someone's getting hurt, if someone's being abused, if someone's being extorted, if you have a grief that's unfair in your life, yes, we should be angry about that. But anger is only expressed outwardly or inwardly is only gonna make it worse. We need to hand it over to Jesus so he can transform our anger into his love and respond with grace. See, I think here's, here's what Jesus does ultimately with anger, is when, we, when we're stuck in that angry place, ultimately what happens is the target of our anger becomes people. You know what I mean? When we're angry, we, we, anger's gotta have a target. And so we blame ourselves or we blame other people. But when we surrender that anger to Jesus, the target changes because we stand at the foot of the cross. We stand at the foot of the cross and we understand God's anger at our own sin, at my hypocrisy, at my unrighteousness. And we surrender that to him. And, and, and then if we understand what Jesus did for our forgiveness to show us God's grace, the price he paid, we can't hold on to unforgiveness and to anger and to hate anymore. We, we surrender it to love and our hearts transformed. And it starts to be like for God because it reveals to us our true enemy, which is sin and death.
And so people of hope, I think this one's really, really important for us to get. We live in an angry world, in a world that wants you to pick sides and fight battles against other people. But the way of Jesus is not that way. The way of Jesus is a way where we love one another, even our enemies, because we know that love is the mightiest weapon of all. Amen. Father, thank you today for grace, mercy, truth, and your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, when we get angry, and we do, and we will, guide us to see what's really going on in our hearts, in our minds. And help us to surrender that to you. Our Redeemer, our Savior, the one who gets angry righteously, the only one who is capable of that righteous anger against the sin of the world and lays down their life in love so that we can be filled with that love. And so fill us up today as we repent and we turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.